TechBiter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 427 for January 25th, 2015. This week, Microsoft turns the Windows world upside down. And that's the only account in the main section of the program. In short circuits, battery manufacturers get a charge out of portable devices, a quick message from the Internal Revenue Service, and only on the website, spare parts. Going far beyond virtual reality, this week Microsoft announced previews for 3D printers in the form of what they call the HoloLens. Apparently Microsoft can keep a secret when it wants to. The new goggles will work with any Windows 10 device from phones to servers, and NASA plans to use them so that scientists can walk virtually on Mars. Oh, by the way, the next version of Windows, Windows 10, is going to be free with some conditions. Most of this week's program had been written by the time Microsoft held what was billed as a routine event for developers and the media on Wednesday. What I'd planned to talk about this week can and will wait until next week. The news from Microsoft was that startling. I had been holding one slot in short circuits for a summary of the conference. They had been expected to provide a first look at the new browser that would be shipping with Windows 10, and I had hopes that the conference would contain enough details to be worthy of a small item at the bottom of short circuits. Well, sometimes reality gets in the way. Microsoft in the Satya Nadella era appears to have broken out of the Steve Ballmer mode and is once again becoming the innovative company that's been lurking under the lackluster cover for a decade or so. But holographic goggles? Really? Let's put the Windows 10 part of the story on hold for a bit and start with the HoloLens. Somebody's going to call these goggles clunky. Okay, well, the Ford Model T was clunky too, but it changed the world. The HoloLens could do the same thing with the way we interact with computers and the way we interact with the real world. Microsoft's Alex Kipman described the device as one that goes beyond virtual reality. Initially, I thought this was merely a peek at a futuristic version of Windows, something that Microsoft's engineers were working on as they thought about some unspecified version of Windows many years hence. Well, not so. The Holographic Application Program Interface, or API, will be enabled in all Windows 10 devices. All Windows 10 devices. The HoloLens? Well, it'll be available in the Windows 10 time frame. That's a slippery bit of description. These things probably aren't going to be available generally when Windows 10 is released later this year, even though NASA is going to be using them experimentally starting this summer. In fact, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab was instrumental in working with Microsoft through the development phase. When I asked about cost and availability, Andy Lutsky at Assembly Inc. told me not much information is being made public right now. No cost, no availability. So, starting with Windows 10, your hardware and your computer's operating system will support the HoloLens. But if, when it's released, the thing costs $10,000, demand is going to be limited. 
whatever it costs, and whenever it starts shipping, you can bet that newer and better versions will cost a lot less a few years later. That's the history of computer technology. Remember four-function electronic calculators that once cost hundreds of dollars? Now much more capable devices are given away at trade shows because they cost less than a buck to make. The HoloLens is going to have a lot of stuff in it. There will be a central processing unit, a graphics processing unit, those are found in all computing devices, but there will also be a holographic processing unit. The lenses in the goggles are clear. You see through them. Holograms appear in 3D space in front of you, and the HoloLens knows where you're looking. It can respond when you reach out to touch something. At this stage of development, some of the movements required to touch and move things clearly require careful choreography. That's to be expected in what is essentially not even a version 1.0 product. Kipman noted that holographic glasses have been science fiction for many years, and now he says we're bringing it into science fact. Watching someone use the HoloLens can be a bit disconcerting. The person who's wearing the device can see things that nobody else can, rather like cats spotting space aliens behind the drapes at three in the morning. You'll see an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website that illustrates how Microsoft used a special video camera to show the person who's designing an object and to reveal what that person sees. Applications are already being built for the HoloLens. Microsoft, in fact, will release Holo Studio that can be used to create what Kipman calls previews for 3D printers. That point was illustrated by showing a working four-engine hovercraft that had been printed from a Holo Studio design. Holo Studio comes with a toolbox that the user can open and use to assemble objects in three dimensions. Be sure to check out the pictures on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Wow! Innovation! But innovation needs support from the top. Satya Nadella is an inspiring speaker. His goal is to move people from needing windows to wanting windows to loving windows. I can't imagine Steve Ballmer ever saying something like that. Nadella is clearly excited about the future and how Microsoft and Microsoft Windows fit in. Nadella highlighted three strategic points for Microsoft's future. First, software as a service. This is a huge, fundamental change, and the naysayers are already complaining even before they know the details. It's to everyone's advantage, though, for computers to run the latest version of an operating system. In addition to providing a continuous stream of small improvements and innovations, this model offers better security by eliminating problems caused by systems that are limping along with a 10-year-old operating system. And yes, XP users, I'm looking at you. Advantages also exist for Microsoft by eliminating the need to support multiple versions of the operating system and for developers who can create a single version of an application that runs on a wide range of devices. Second is mobility. Explicit focus on mobility is a welcome change, even though it's not what most people think it is. It's more mobility of data than mobility of devices. Or, as Nadella put it, mobility of experience across devices. In other words, a user could create a document on a notebook, a tablet, or a desktop system, and then later, realizing that something in the document needed to be clarified, open the document on a phone make a small change, and that change would be reflected back to the source document. 
cloud-based storage combined with a universal application platform that creates similar experiences on phones, tablets, computers, televisions, and holographic devices are what will make this happen. And third, cross-platform. The universal applications platform is what Nadella sees as the key to providing users with a familiar experience, regardless of the device they're using. Instead of just bolting on apps, Nadella says that Microsoft's programmers are paying close attention to seamless development. Now, I said something about Windows 10 and free, didn't I? If your computer is currently running Windows 7, or Windows 8, or Windows 8.1, your upgrade to Windows 10 will be free as long as you perform the upgrade during the first year that Windows 10 is available. A few weeks ago, I wrote that I hoped a Windows license sold with a new computer would be valid for no-cost upgrades for the life of the machine. But at Wednesday's conference, Microsoft appeared to be saying the free upgrade would be good for one year, and implying that after that there would be an annual fee. That has now been clarified by Abby Smith at Wagner Edstrom Communications, Microsoft's public relations agency. She provided a statement from Microsoft, and I quote, Once a qualified Windows device is upgraded to Windows 10, we will continue to keep it up to date for the supported lifetime of the device, keeping it more secure and introducing new features and functionality over time at no cost. Well, that is exactly what I hoped that Microsoft would do. And it goes a long way toward fulfilling CEO Nadella's vision of making Windows something that people will love. It's good news for everyone. Because version fragmentation makes support difficult both for computer users and for Microsoft. Downloadable automatic updates have improved radically from the days of Vista when it was a surprise if it worked at all. In-place updates to Windows 7, 8, and 8.1 have shown pretty conclusively that the system works. And the Windows Insider program is working too. Microsoft's Terry Meyerson noted that 1.7 million people have signed up for the Windows Insider program, and Microsoft has received 800,000 comments from them on 200,000 topics. The development of Windows 10, Meyerson said, is truly a collaborative effort. Microsoft's Joe Belfore illustrated Cortana, the personal assistant on Microsoft phones. She's going to be on the Windows 10 desktop. Cortana now runs in seven languages, and because she has access to all of the information on your phone, all of your searches, and everything you ask about, you might be nervous about what Cortana knows about you. Well, relax. She does maintain a notebook with lots of information about you. But you can examine the notebook, and you can add, delete, or change anything in it. Delete it, and she won't know about it anymore. Cortana is kind of the natural outgrowth of the Windows indexing feature. Remember that? It was intended to examine every document on the disk and provide a searchable index that could be used to find a specific document quickly. That process was so slow and consumed so many system resources that I told people to turn it off. But that was a long time ago. And indexing has advanced considerably since then. Cortana can help users find documents, images, applications, or information on the Internet. And if you don't like the idea of talking to your computer, you can also use a keyboard and mouse. And speaking of voice recognition, the capability that's going to be built into Windows 10 devices by way of Cortana looks like it will eliminate the need for programs such as Dragon Dictate. 
Windows 10 will have two primary operating modes, and each will be adjustable by the user. The first mode is for large tablets, notebooks, and PCs, devices with screens that are at least 8 inches diagonally. The second mode will be for small tablets and phones. OneDrive will be more important than ever, but Microsoft now seems to be willing to allow users to figure that out on their own instead of forcing the issue. Windows 8 saved documents to OneDrive by default and made the user jump through way too many hoops to save documents locally. Windows 10 will allow that feature to be turned off by default, if you wish. I have to admit that although I see a clear advantage to storing files on OneDrive, my inclination is still to save files locally. In the past year, though, I've seen that attitude start to change. Microsoft is even reaching out to non-Windows devices. Any device that takes pictures can sync to OneDrive so that images can be collected and organized in a single location. There's a lot to like here for people who have multiple devices, particularly if they're different sizes or from different manufacturers. None of the Windows Insider members have yet seen the version of Windows that Microsoft demonstrated this week, and even when we have downloaded the new build that will be released in the coming week, we still won't have access to everything shown this week. Last December, I described the versioning process that Microsoft uses. The operating system and applications demonstrated this week were considerably upstream from what's available as part of the Insider program. And those who are part of the program for Windows phones will see their first version of Windows 10 sometime in February. And as an indication that Windows is moving toward a release date in the fall, the number of languages supported by the operating system will be increasing from 4 to 25 in the next build. And of course you know the Start menu will be back. Before Windows 8 was released, I said that Microsoft was making a terrible mistake by dropping the Start menu. But after using the Windows 8 Preview for a day or two, I realized that the Start menu really isn't needed. Nonetheless, it's coming back in Windows 10 to placate change-resistant users who will be able to choose whether it's small, large, or full screen. In other words, it's both back and better. Microsoft's new web browser with the codename of Spartan was expected to play alongside Internet Explorer, but based on this week's first public preview, that seems unlikely. It looks more like a replacement. Spartan has a new rendering engine that is claimed to be a better fit with today's web standards, HTML5, CSS3, and responsive adaptive design. Microsoft calls out three new features in the browser, and combined, they could move Microsoft to the lead in browsers. Now there's something I never expected to say. Here are those features. First, the ability to mark pages and take notes. With a touch screen, users can mark a page with a stylus or a finger. No touch screen? Okay, you can use the mouse and the keyboard. Sharing has been enabled and expanded, with perhaps a dozen built-in links that include all of the usual social media sites, email, and Microsoft OneNote. And I'm excited to see OneNote taking a more central role throughout Windows 10, because it has been one of my indispensable organizing tools for years. Feature number two is a customizable reading format. Although this feature wasn't demonstrated in depth, it appears to go well beyond just resizing the screen to create a narrow column for reading. Users will also be able to save articles for offline reading, and there is built-in support for PDFs. Feature number three is Cortana's functionality being built into the browser. This will make it possible for the browser to start displaying answers to questions even as the user types them. There's a lot more. The new Microsoft Surface Hub is a computer that you cannot tuck under your arm. 
It's an 84-inch touch screen with built-in cameras and support for every kind of wired and wireless connection you can name. The Surface Hub is aimed at business users. It can replace a whiteboard in a conference room by enabling a large screen version of OneNote. And yes, the Surface Hub does have a touch screen. When the meeting ends, there will be no scramble as participants grab their phones to take pictures of action items listed on the whiteboard. Instead, OneNote can send the contents of the screen to everybody. I'm not one who plays a lot of computer games and I don't own a game console, but Windows 10 could be just what somebody like me would need. Maybe you don't want to play games frequently, you don't have a game console, but you'd like to play a computer game every now and then. You can install an Xbox app on your Windows 10 computer. So if Microsoft's stated goal is to move people from needing Windows to wanting Windows to loving Windows, it looks to me like they're off to a pretty promising start. Wednesday's presentation in Redmond was more than two hours long, and there were lots of additional activities that followed. It is impossible to summarize all of that information in 7 minutes and 24 seconds, but Microsoft did try. And there's a brief video you'll find on the TechBiter Worldwide website, because I think it's helpful information, in addition to what I've provided. In short circuits, to the surprise of almost nobody, battery sales are growing fast. Sandler Research says the industry's sales are increasing at more than a 6% compound annual growth rate. Smartphone batteries are the primary factor causing the growth. The result is a battery industry that's a lot more lively than it was in the days of carbon zinc batteries. Carbon zinc. Remember those? Sandler Research says in its global laptop battery market report that notebook computers create a strong market for both new and replacement batteries. Further improvement in batteries coaxing more power out of smaller packages, for example, will create a sustained demand for the products. Sandler Research maintains a database of syndicated market reports for global and regional industries. This report says that the primary factors in continued strong growth include increased demand from the corporate sector, emergence of new laptop models, the use of handheld devices in education, and increasing numbers of people replacing older computers as the economy improves. Industry trends such as development innovations, industrialization of developing economies, and consumer knowledge are also covered in the report. A major trend is improved performance of laptop batteries. Nanotechnology research is attempting to identify materials that can improve the capacity of batteries and increase the number of recharge cycles they can provide. Sandler Research says that the wider use of tablets and smartphones, both by consumers and business users, are also sharply increasing demand. Although demand for laptop batteries has declined somewhat, that for tablet and phone batteries has more than made up for it. Nearly all of today's laptop models use lithium-ion batteries that generate power when ions move from a negatively charged anode to a positively charged cathode. When the battery is charged, electricity from an adapter pushes the ions back to the anode so the cycle can begin all over again. Wasn't that exciting? The full report is available from Sandler Research. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website.
time is approaching, and the IRS says doing your taxes doesn't have to be taxing. Get it? It's a little IRS humor. It's fast, they say. It's safe, they say. It's free, they say. Well, it's free except for having to send in your tax payment, of course. If you make $60,000 per year or less, then the IRS Free File website makes it possible for you to file your tax return for free. And despite the one percenters, about 70% of us make $60,000 or less per year. Free File is a public-private partnership between the IRS and what's called the Free File Alliance. The Free File Alliance is a consortium of more than a dozen tax preparation software providers. Each provider sets his own eligibility rules, but anyone earning $60,000 or less can find something that they can use on the site. The IRS site uses a question-and-answer format to identify the forms you'll need. It then does the math and helps you to find tax breaks that you might overlook, such as the Earned Income Tax Credit. The program also includes information about how the Affordable Care Act affects your tax return. If you make more than $60,000 a year, you can still use Free Files forms, which are electronic versions of the IRS paper forms, These online fillable forms are best for people experienced doing their own taxes. And if you have a refund coming, electronic filing can get it to you in as little as 10 days. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.